In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. All right, folks, welcome back into the Orange and Brown Report. I hope you have enjoyed the podcast this week. Uh, I brought you Tuesday morning talking to you about the Browns' loss to the Baltimore Ravens and why context is so important. We can't just talk about things as wins and losses, and we're not talking about making excuses or anything like that. We just need to talk through context. We might even do that today uh, with my next guest, but then on Tuesday, so that was Tuesday, Wednesday, we had Jake. Thursday we had Fred, and then uh, we will be recording today with Stephen Thomas, our our friend, our brother, uh, our passionate OBR writer. Uh, before we get to him and make it more awkward, I need to talk to you about Indeed. 2020 has already shaped how we worked. It's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact, contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st, which that's coming up, folks, 14 days. Holy Moses. Terms and conditions apply. So, time to bring in my guy, your guy, the funny guy, Mr. Stephen Thomas. How are you doing today? Well, you always build me up so much, and I never, I never know what to say. I've got like 17 names in my introduction now. So, I, can you just say the guy that does fart booger jokes and uh, draft stuff? That'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? It would, but then wife dust makes me laugh sometimes, and then <laughs> anytime a random com- person thinks they're funny, I'm like, my my buddy's actually funny. You're an idiot. So you know, I, maybe it's an expectations thing, right? Like I talked in my with Fred yesterday on the pod about. You know, expectations are pretty big, and so, you know, with you around, like, my expectations are pretty high. With other people, you know, you blow them out of the water or fart them out of the water. So, Well, I've seen here. my act, so you should lower your expectations. So Yeah, you know, but, you're, but your act's on a cruise ship, and I'll tell you, I love cruise ships. So, like, it's like anything. Uh, it's location, location, location. You put me on a cruise ship, a hot dog, all of a sudden is somehow amazing, right? Like... <laughs> That's the way it is. Like, get me on a cruise ship, and and I'm trouble. Last semester round got a triple double. Sorry, yeah. So when we get you back on cruise ships, you got to get me out there with you, brother. Sounds good. If they ever come back, I will. Uh, I will see what I can do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So Cleveland Browns nine and four. I would say probably uh, the high end of what our hopes were coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lost to the, the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. 47 to 42. Just some thoughts from you uh, watching the game and then 
um, <clears throat> after the game. So watching the game, we know it had a lot going on. Kind of what was your experience watching the game? Well, pretty much like everybody else, it was just a roller coaster. I mean, you know, I you hate to say it, but you know, Harbaugh might have been right. That was that was one hell of a football game. I mean, it was uh, it would have been. It's more fun when you come out on the other end of something like that, as we all know from a couple games earlier this year, the Dallas game and especially the Cincinnati game down in in Cincinnati. Um, it's always more fun when you're on the winning end, but it was just, it was up and down, and it was up and down and up and down. But the biggest thing that I took from the game, other than the fact that, uh, yeah, the, you know, Ronnie Harrison or uh, Denzel Ward being out was big, but Ronnie Harrison in my mind was even bigger um, because he, there is no such thing, you and I talk about this preseason, there's no such thing as a Lamar stopper. It's just impossible. He's, <laughs> he's, he's ludicrous when he gets outside the pocket. But a guy like Ronnie Harrison. You would Harrison, say he's the, he's the sh- Oh, never. Sorry, that's 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 a low that's low hanging fruit joke. Sorry, it's it's he's <laughs> insane. It's impossible. People are like, oh well, we got to get this for next year as a Lamar stopper. There's no such thing. You you got to you can contain him, uh, you know. And and there's been a I'm not gonna say a blueprint because he's still pretty young for it. But there's been a system laid out that has given him trouble that includes a lot of fast defensive backs who are also big enough to take him down. And that is where Ronnie Harrison would have come in. I mean, we had that conversation on the day of the trade back in August or early September, whenever that was. We were like, wow, this is really going to be helpful in that area. But the biggest thing that I uh, took away from that, and I, and I tweeted this several times during the game, was that this team is just different. You could see it on the face, the faces of the Ravens players in that fourth quarter charge um, that Baker was leading that big comeback. Whenever there'd be a, a, a close-up, they just looked like, "What? What the hell is going on? This is not the Cleveland Browns." Every year we come in here, we punch them in the face twice, and they lay down and they quit. That's what they've done for 20 years. We've watched it as fans. They they, they come in, they're borderline dirty, they're they're you know they're aggressive, they're physical, and we have quit for mostly two. This team got pissed. They did not quit. They kept. Firing every bullet in the chamber was out by the end of that game, and I, it, they could have laid down. I, I don't know how many times. I, I mean, they came out. We Multiple. scored first, yeah. obviously, uh, which is unusual. You know, we took it right to them, and then they hit us twice. Touchdown, touchdown. It's fourteen to seven. At that point, most of the Cleveland Browns team since the return would have quit. It was over, and we know that if we're being honest with ourselves, we didn't. They came out, they scored, then they had that horrible ending to the first half, which ended Again. up being terrible, uh, which was actually the, one of the first ones this year. They've been really good closing out halves, um, and so it was kind of out of character. Then they, they go down 28-14. They easily would have quit in years past. They didn't do that. They fought back again. Then went after Lamar scored, and they went up 42-35. to After we came back and took the lead, they, teams would have quit. I mean, it, they just kept firing, and um, that, to me, is that culture thing that you and I have talked about for years. They have bought into that this Stefanski one and zero every week mantra. They are they're serious. They this is what we got to do this week. We're going to do everything we can to win this game. Uh, we we don't care about the emotion. We don't care about all that. we're going to win this football game. However, we have to do it, and that's new. Around here, that's fun. That's uh, <laughs> it, it's amazing, and 
I, ever since they came out of the monsoon games, the offense has just been a force, just an absolute force. And unlike a lot of teams around the league, they're starting to actually get healthier uh, as the season goes along. And I don't see anyone standing in their way for the rest of the year that can stop them. The Steelers are really, really good, and they could slow them down. I don't think we're going to be putting up 42 on the Steelers, but uh, this offense has an identity and a confidence and a swagger that we haven't seen in decades around here. And even though it didn't go their way Monday night, I think we will all look back at that game, and especially that fourth quarter charge, as a turning point in this franchise if you know they're competing for and hopefully winning a title in the next you know, half dozen years, however many. Absolutely, and I think what's interesting is this year their fourth quarter or their um, second quarter collapse has really been in both the Ravens games, right? So the first mm-hmm. game, uh, I don't have it all in front of me, but there was it was just ugly. Like all of a sudden, boom, 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 here we are, and it's like 28 or 24 to 3 or whatever. The, I don't actually give a crap about what the actual score was, but again, that happened you know, at the end of this second quarter. Uh, Jamie Gillen destroy the 35-yard punt. It was just amazing, booming off his foot all the way 35 yards. Wonderful punt. Amazing, really important. Uh, Glad that (laughs) happened with, like, a little over a minute left. And then the Ravens, you know, they score, and then they get the ball back after half, and they score again. Like, they're just, you know, it's just a tough play. So I think what really what you're speaking to is this is a team that, A, doesn't give up, but B, has an identity, right? They, they know who they are. Right. They're not getting lucky. They're not – I mean, they do a little trick play here and there, but it's not the trick play that wins the game kind of thing. It's they're a good team. They're able to run the ball when they play the right teams. They're able to pass the ball when they play the right teams. And then the defense, we've talked about this over the year. They're terrible. But they have Miles Garrett. They're better when they have Denzel Ward and Ronnie Harrison. And they hopefully are going to be better when Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit and Andrew Billings join them next year, even despite the fact that they'll probably or they could lose Olivier Vernon, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, some linebackers, some safeties who don't really do anything. Uh, so those kind of things. So, But you do have a team that doesn't give up, that has some kind of identity. And in the NFL right now, bad defenses still are able to win. Like that's, I mean, the reality is Kansas City has a has had a few good players, Chris Jones and some pass rushers, but beyond that, they haven't been that good on defense. They just have a great offense. So maybe the Browns are able to, down the road, replicate that. Um, but let's talk about down the road a little bit. Well, yeah, let's, uh, let's hit that just uh, briefly. I think, uh, especially for older Browns fans in my age demographic, you have to adjust, and I think we talked about this a couple of months ago. This is ringing a bell now that I'm starting to say it. You have to adjust in your head what you think of as a great defense because the way the rules have changed and the game has followed those rule changes, it favors the offense just wildly now. It's it, The days of the 85 Bears and the 2000 Ravens defense just smothering teams and holding them to 80 yards week in and week out, I don't see that happening with the way the, the game is officiated these days, which the, all the rules changes and the, the safety protection issues, you can't make somebody pay for going over the middle and all that kind of stuff. It's just different. So, I mean, obviously you want to have the best defense you can, and that would be great to put something like that together. But I think realistically, if you're going to have an offense like it looks like we're building and they're mostly young enough to be together for the next you know, four to five years, 
you really only need a defense somewhere in the 10 to 15, maybe 16 range, somewhere in there as far as the rankings go. Um, as long as you can get to the passer and you have at least one really good cover guy uh, on the corner, I think that can be a winning formula because, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, yeah, the Chiefs, their defense hasn't been great, but they've stood up in spots. They just have the ultimate eraser. If you think Lamar is impossible to stop, <laughs> well, you play Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it was nice that uh, Stephen A. Smith said we were actually a threat to the Chiefs the other day, but... And yeah, like I said, I think I said this on my Twitter timeline. I think they can score on the Chiefs because, like you said, their defense isn't overwhelming. But they're going to have to score every single time they have the ball because, with all the injuries we have on defense, even at full strength, it would be tough. But especially with all the injuries we have on defense, if we somehow came up against them in the playoffs in January, I really don't see I'm, holding them to the 40s would be a win at this point. I mean, I see a 50 burger coming, or I just don't see how we stop them on any kind of a consistent basis. Um, but it, but that being said, this ties into what we were just talking about, that if you could get just an average enough defense to hold them into the 30s, now you have a chance to win against that team who is, you know, clearly the, the favorite in the whole league right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I've done pieces in the past where I've tried to look at, you know, Super Bowl contenders or Super Bowl participants over the last 10 or 15 years or, or playoff contenders or play. Uh, participants and I, I remember one of the results out of that was you have to just be really good at something like that was like the end result was to compete for a Super Bowl you have to be really elite at at least one thing and maybe by the end of this season they're not going to be but you know in the end the Browns could be elite running and passing the ball mm-hmm. right like that's a possibility next year and who knows maybe second half of the season whatever the numbers are you know, the, the weather games kind of get in the way a little bit there. But they could literally be a top five rushing and passing attack, maybe top ten. And in the end, that's what you need. And if you can do that and you compare that with, you know, a top 15 just pass rush, right, uh, with miles and whatever you add, all that, um, it starts to make something different. I think for Browns fans who aren't used to, I always talk about, we're not used to watching good teams, so we tend to <laughs> expect perfection. Um, but I've I've randomly watched the Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady type games, and I'm like, let me watch this as if this is the team I'm covering, and it's the Browns. And every time I'm like, wow, like fans are going to take pick that apart. Fans will pick this apart. The reality is, is the Kansas City Chiefs are, Chiefs are amazing, and they're not perfect. The Steelers are good, they're not perfect, right? You can go down the down the line. It's all about. Are you great at enough things, and are you good or okay at other things? And and we'll find out where the Browns are, you know, over the next few years because that's really what matters. This year is nice. The next few years are really going to be the key. So absolutely. So looking at this year, um, the Browns, uh, they beat the Colts, they beat the Titans, they've lost to the Steelers and the Ravens twice. That's really the five quality teams they played. Maybe Washington actually brings it all together, but at that point in time, you know, they had Dwayne Haskins, so not really a quality win. Really their two quality wins are the Colts and the Titans. They lost to the Raiders as well uh, amongst their four losses. Anything about this team give you any hope or belief that they could likely coin flip, whatever you want to say, um, have a chance to win a game or so, or more in the playoffs at this point in time, Stephen? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think what they've proved is, and we t- we basically touched on it in what we talked about a minute ago, is that outside of the Chiefs, I don't really see anyone that, you know, you look at it and go, okay, yeah, there's no way. They they could, you know, I mean, they've proven they can beat the Colts. They've proven they can beat the Titans. I would not want to go back down to Tennessee and try to surprise Mike Vrabel again, if at <laughs> all possible, but they've proven that they can beat them. And, and Tennessee's getting beat up on defense now. Jayon Brown is out for the year. Um, Adoree Jackson is still out. It's, uh, so, you know, uh, you go down there, if you get a decent weather game, get into a shootout, uh, you know, I, as we saw on Monday, anything can happen when it's 41-38, and uh, this offense is playing like they can beat anybody. So and there's nobody that I, like, fear, fear outside of going into Kansas City, even going into Pittsburgh, um, because they've, you know, they're not the same team that blasted out of the gate. 11-0, and 0, um, and they're starting to lose people to injury, too. So, you know, I, I, going into Pittsburgh brings up bad memories for every Browns fan, I think, under the age of about 75. Um, but I don't think they are unbeatable, uh, at least not as both teams are playing right now. Now, any potential matchup, obviously, and a month from now, it could be vastly different. And, you know, let's just get there first. But I mean, even Buffalo, they're a really good team. They're solid. There's, there's really no – it's hard to poke holes in Buffalo's roster from any kind of standpoint. But do they really instill fear? You know what I mean? Do they, right. they're, they're not an overwhelming team. They're just good, and they execute. And, they've, you know, uh, Josh Allen has made strides that 95% of the draft world is, is shocked over, and he's big, and he's huge, and he's fast, and their defense is strong, and – but, again, you know, are they a team that, that, you know, they're not the 2,000 Ravens. They're not the 85 Bears. It's, so, I, you know, not, not saying that they, you know, well, yeah, they're definitely going to go into Buffalo and win. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I don't think it's impossible. So, first thing we all want to do is just get there. Let's just play in, 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 in the playoffs. I, I don't even care at this point who we really play or where we play them. But I, if you ask me right now, I'd probably be looking – hoping to find a way to go to Indianapolis and play the Colts. Because as solid as they are, I, I think we've shown that we can score on them and we've found a way to slow down uh, their offense at least to a reasonable amount uh, when they came to Cleveland last or a couple of months ago. Uh, so, not that I, again, not that I'm predicting a victory, but if you, if you forced me to pick one team I'd want to go play on the road in the playoffs, they'd probably be the least bad option. Not a great <laughs> option, but the least bad option. Yeah, I think that in the end you're right. It, um, it's really about just get there and see what happens. I do think for me the way they were able to control the Titans early in that game and, and then just played smart the rest of the way mostly, and then really – your, the heart and everything we talked about against the Ravens really does have me evaluating the team differently. They're they're not just a pass-first team or a run-first team. Or well, At the time, I really thought they were just a run-first team. Uh, they have a lot of ability to score on offense in multiple ways and are building confidence, and Baker is really building confidence. And, again, that's all you need. Like, again, who knows who's going to win the Super Bowl? We have an idea, but to win a game or here or there, a lot of ways that that can happen. So I have a I have more hope uh, than I had going into those two games, and we'll see what that means going forward. Obviously, if they trip up against uh, the zombie weird or yeah weirdo version of of the 
Browns slash Giants with Zeitler and Jabril Peppers and Colt McCoy and Kitchens, uh, then we're going to have a different conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Or if they, they slip up against the Jets who are winless or – Honestly, if the Steelers take them to the woodshed with all, you know, how they're struggling, then maybe I'm back to saying, you know what, it's, there's no chance this season. But, right. you know, right, right now I'm thinking there's a chance. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you, 100%. Good. Speaking of percents, uh, Pepsi wants to talk about those of us who are not playing in the NFL because thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing parents or – genes, uh, or whatever else, uh, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football, but instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Listen, you can watch in a hundred different ways, and as we're learning online and through all these streaming channels, some people are struggling to find ways to watch, but you're going to figure it out. I have confidence that someone will help you figure out how to watch the game, where to watch the game, so you can do it safely with a Pepsi. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch the game. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. That's like highlights of Stephen and I living life. Pepsi, made for football watching. Speaking of football watching, you are, you know, the the daily, the Browns daily mock draft guy. And to be blunt, I have spent very little time looking at anything draft related. Uh, I don't even know who plays, when they play, when they're canceled. That stuff has just been so <laughs> discombobulated for me. And I struggle anyways, knowing when things are going on. And so catch us up, Stephen. Give us an idea of what you're seeing in college football this year. Are there any trends? Are there any players? What are you seeing as you're doing all of your mock drafts, as you're thinking about players for the Cleveland Browns? What are you seeing in this college season? Well, pretty much exactly what you just said. It's so discombobulated. Um, There's an old saying from scouts long before my time, uh, traits over production. And (laughs) this year might be more of that than normal because, you know, you always say trust the tape, watch the film, and it's a blend of film and analytics, and it's absolutely 100% true. But with this year, with such a unique circumstances, and I don't know, I'm asking this question, how much are GMs around the league going to trust this tape? Because you've got, excuse me, some guys play, you know, nine or ten games, other guys have played four games, and they've had three weeks off in between each game. And they're playing against a team that has ten of their starters on the COVID list, and they have three starters on the COVID list themselves. And so the lack of continuity, you know, let's say they're playing a game, you know, Ohio State had, what, three, two weeks off, three weeks off in between games, and then they look yeah. rusty coming back. Is the rusty film what you look at and say, okay, well, this is what this guy is? Or do you look at it and say, I can't really glean anything from this except that he's really fast because they were rusty, the other team was rusty, they had... And then, you know, you got other games thrown on top of that with... I mean, UCLA has played a game with uh, two games of prep, two days of preparation. You know, they, they called Cal on Friday and said, hey, you want to play Sunday? And they, they played with less... So how much can you trust this tape? I, I don't know the answer to that, but it's going to be something ongoing um, because just of the, the weird disparity in number of games, continuity of games, and just lack of practice time and last, lack of meeting time uh, for these guys. They're, they're all out of their schedules. Um, so once we get past Declaration Day next month, we'll have a better idea 
of who they're looking at, and we'll dig more into the All-22, but um, it, it's going to be fascinating to see. We said at the beginning of the season, guys like Micah Parsons, Gregory Rousseau, how, how, maybe they might fall because they've opted out. They might, well, I don't know that they will now because how, mu- how, how much good is this year's tape? I, I don't know. It's going to be weird this entire draft cycle, even if Senior Bowl and Combine and everything go on as normal. Yeah, and I think that's what's really kind of cool and interesting. And I would say that, and I will never be the guy who does this research, I would say the the hit rate in this in this upcoming draft is going to be the weirdest one. Like, you're going to have far less hits, I think. Uh, maybe I'm going to I'm gonna really talk out two sides of my mouth here in just a second. But I think you're going to have far less hits because I think, you know, so many players going from their sophomore to junior year, they step up and it, it's just a new world and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they go from athlete to football player or they go from their junior to senior year and they go from, oh, they kind of look like a limited athlete but something clicks and all of a sudden, boom, they're productive on the field. And so we, we're not going to have that jump. Like I can't even, even watching just highlights and Twitter and all that stuff, I really haven't seen a lot of like, I mean, there are some players but not a lot of like, oh, this guy has taken that next step. Or, you know, look at these guys that have come out of nowhere. There's a couple here and there, and they're really more smaller school guys because more people have time to watch those games because, you know, Ohio State's played five so far, and so there's just availability to watch them live. But we haven't seen that, so I think you're going to have a lot of more, a lot more hit or miss unless, unless, uh, you know, NFL GMs just play everything really safe next year. And their first-round pick isn't a guy that they think is going to be a top-ten type player. It's just a guy they're like, yep, we know you can be a starter. right? We know we're very, very certain you can be a starting-level player. So we're going to take the guy at 15 or at 20 or at maybe even 10 that we know for sure is likely to be a starter and maybe not take that risk. So – I, we, I don't know. I, you know, NFL you know, GMs and teams always try to kind of shoot for the moon, but I think it'll be really interesting. Do we see teams or do they fall into categories, some teams really, really safe, and just taking the safe bet, this guy should be good at least, and hopefully he'll be very good. Or do we see teams continue the high upside, riskier, all of that because they don't have a lot of film, so you might as well get the guy who – you know, ran really fast, lifted really, you know, all of those kind of things. You know, but for you, has there been anybody that's, I don't know, jumped out at you or surprised you or someone you hadn't even heard of that you're like, oh, this guy's kind of interesting. Jared might be able to pronounce his name, and OBR people <laughs> have seen him in my mock group. Listen, you pull out names, and I'm like, yeah, that guy. Uh, let's 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 see if we can get somebody that Jared can remember the name and pronounce pronunciate pronunciate the name, and uh, you know. OBR listeners and readers will be like, ooh, I want to keep an eye on. Anybody like that jumping out to you? Yeah, there's a few. I'll give you the easy name guy first, uh, oh, Collins. Uh, yeah, I can do that. I can Collins. Collins works for me all day. I, I'm <laughs> Write him into my first mock draft. What round am I picking him in? Um, it, it, it's, it's strange because, you know, the talk for the last two years, for the last draft session and, you know, all year this year is that, you know, they're not going to pick a linebacker on day one. They're just not going to do that. And there's a lot of dominoes that have to fall between now and then, not the least of which is we have to figure out what the cap's going to do. If it takes this precipitous drop, then that's going to make free agency and trades even more 
uh, important than it than it always has been. And the Browns, as I, we've talked about before on these airwaves, may trade a couple of their picks for established veterans, which will then alter, you know, obviously with the positional targets and everything in the draft. And I can see a path. I still think it's unlikely, but I can see a path if they're picking, you know, 24th, 25th, something like that, where they have, you know, let's say they sign William Jackson or, 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 or a top outside corner and they, they snag another uh, edge, you know, whether it's keeping Vernon in-house or they go out and they get, you know, I don't know, Trey Hendrickson. I'm just throwing names out here of who's going to be available. If they've addressed those two and they're picking in the late 20s, for a, a Swiss Army knife guy like like Zayvon Collins or even Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, if they're still on the board, would they break that rule? Would they draft a linebacker? Even though Koromoa is more you know linebacker in name only, he's more of a of a box safety really uh, that can do linebacker stuff for you. Um, but would they do that? They might. They might, depending on what's still out there. Now, if you want to take free agency and trades out of it and just look strictly at the draft, I think you're definitely looking um, at the best edge and the best corner uh, in that spot, which is, depending on the board, you look at guys like J.C. Horn or Eric Stokes, uh, Darian Kendrick down at uh, Clemson. Um, as far as the edges go, you're looking at Osai, you're looking at... Um, um, uh, who else is in? Pay is probably out of range if you're in the 20s. Uh, but Joseph Osai at Texas, maybe Ojolari down at Georgia. He's gotten a lot of love lately. Um, but what's interesting with the edge class is guys like Dane Brugler and some of the other really, really good draft guys are saying most of these edge guys are probably more late day one to mid day two. Um, guys that have been in. Round one mocks all year, OA at uh, Penn State, Patrick Jones, uh, guys like that. So if that's the case, then you're probably in the Browns situation going to be uh, – I mean, obviously you do whatever's best on your board, the best option, but you're, you're, you're hoping that one of your top-rated corners is there and then you can snag an edge on day two because there's some guys down uh, – Victor uh, Demukeji uh, at Duke is a guy – consistently rated mid to late day two that I really like because he convert, uh, can convert speed to power. Um, and our, our friend Brendan Leister turned me on to that a couple of years ago. If a guy can't convert speed to power uh, consistently yep. in college, it's very difficult for them to have consistent success, this sustained success at the NFL level. But guys like Rashad Weaver, maybe Dylan Hayes, Ronnie Perkins at Oklahoma is getting some love lately. Um, but, yeah, if you're asking me for a guy that I really had not heard of at the beginning of the year that now I think, depending on what happens between now and April, there's a path. It's, uh, I would say Zayvon Collins because he's the kind of guy in the system that Joe Woods likes to run. He can rush the passer. He's, he's, uh, his run fills are solid. He's exceptionally fast for his size. He can cover uh, tight ends. He can even stick them out in the slot if you want. He can do just about anything you want him to do on a football field. Um, and uh, he would be somebody that I would be pretty happy with in a certain – if a certain scenario falls before the draft, I would be thrilled with adding Zayvon Collins late on day one. That sounds good to me. And one of the names you brought up reminded me that – and he was a guy you and I both liked that is now on the Browns, but he's on the injury reserve. The Browns do have Curtis Weaver, and I just remembered right. about him, actually. So there are a few players, Curtis Weaver, uh, Greedy, Delpit – Drew Forbes, Andrew Billings, like there is a list almost yep. of players that like, wait, hold on, like the Browns have 
four or five dudes, like real, who I think are real players or can be real players coming back. And then they can add, you know, whether it's a Collins. I've seen Sean Wade now, people talking about him more in that later first round. I love his versatility. Played a lot of inside until this year. Now playing outside. Hasn't been as good outside. Uh, but drop him inside. Give him some flexibility. If Greedy's back and then Denzel on the other side, that's amazing. Um, but just remembering Curtis Weaver is still a Cleveland Brown uh, and could be coming back next year. And hopefully throughout the time he's been with the team, they've been able to work on his body and get him healthy and really get him ready uh, to do what they want him to do and what will be his basically his rookie year next year. So I, I just remembered about him because there was another Weaver involved. So yeah, you want uh, it could be really to, interesting. You want something interesting on Sean Wade, and this has been out there for – I think it's been long enough. Uh, Dane Brugler put this, uh, you know, on the athletics, so it's behind a paywall. But I think it's been out there long enough. I've seen it leaked out uh, a bunch of other places, so I don't think I'm giving away any privileged information here. He actually, and Dane, if you're listening and you're not following Dane Brugler, you are not as informed on the NFL draft as you need to be. He is among the best that there is. If he says something and I disagree with it, my immediately my immediate thought is, well, I need to go look again because I'm probably wrong. He's really, really good, and he just released his first, I think it's his first, uh, top ten at each position uh, last week or five days ago, something like that, and he had Sean Wade in his safety rankings, which I found fascinating, and exactly what you just said, he's he's played a lot inside, a lot of his skill set probably transfers to that, you know, slot slash free safety uh, in the modern NFL. So everything you just said, I would totally agree with, except he might be slotted into that safety spot in Joe Wood's defense, which I found fascinating. That would be a lot of fun. And for you guys who don't know, Dane uh, Brugler, along with Dan Kadar, are both North e- Northeast Ohio guys. Listen, the draft runs deep in Northeast Ohio, those and those who follow uh, the team. And so, uh, you know, we love those guys. They do a lot of good work, as does our guy, the good guy, the funny guy, Stephen Thomas. Stephen, appreciate having you on. But before I say goodbye and tell everybody to be safe, guys, talk to you about Bet Online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year. Dude, seriously, stop for a second. 12,000 people in Baker had to tell them to be quiet. Like, isn't that ridiculous? It's awesome. It was crazy. Honestly, haven't seen it since I was in my 20s in Cleveland. It is so much fun, and I am so happy that the younger generation is finally getting to experience this. It's ridiculous. I love it. Anyway, so you may not be one of the 12,000 at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses, because I don't know why it says that, so I'm putting it there. Just make sure you get in on their season opening bonuses today. Start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses using our promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Stephen, we're looking forward to Sunday Night Football, another time where it's a blessing that you are out west because it's kind of like Sunday afternoon football (laughs) for you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of 
I, I, it was weird to get used to when I first moved out here, but now West Coast sports uh, starting times are the best, man. Because, yeah, even after Monday Night Football, I, it was like 8.30 or something here. You know, everybody was talking about how exhausted they were. You were like, oh, my God, I got to go to bed. And I was like, what? I got an hour of TV to watch. And this is, this is great. Folks, if you if you thankfully there's no video, you the the dirty look I'm giving the guy I cannot see right now. Uh, <laughs> I want to climb through uh, uh, the screen and stab him, and then enjoy the warm weather that he is enjoying out there. Uh, well, warm is like 60 degrees and freezing. Oh, it's terrible! Oh, such a weak. Weak bloodline going on out there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyways, thanks, man. Good to have you on. Hopefully we'll be talking about a 10-win Cleveland Browns team going into the last two weeks of the season. That would be beautiful. Hopefully we'll be doing that next week. Um, and so thank you guys all for stopping by. Love always having Steven on. Love that this week we pulled off a the four-peat. We got me doing a recap. I got Jake. I got Fred. I got Steven. Uh, like, I'm pumped for that. And there's a small possibility that I'm going to pull off a fifth this week. Uh, I had this random interaction with a New York Giants person uh, who does a little bit of media, and she may be interested in trying to do a podcast with me, uh, maybe to going into the weekend. And since it's Sunday Night Football, I'll give you a little extra time uh, and meet somebody in the, else uh, who likes the Giants, I guess. So we might be doing that. So, again, thank you, Stephen, for coming on. Folks, Please, like I always ask you to do, and I really do mean it, it's not just some tagline thing to sign off every time. There are, there are three things that I that I always want to encourage you to do, is that's to take care of yourself in every way, sleep, eat, um, exercise, relationships, everything that you can do, masks, shields, I don't, social isolation, social distancing, whatever it is, vaccine, please take care of yourself, and then please spend energy on taking care of others, little things. This morning when I was picking up donuts, and I'm not bragging to myself, an older gentleman came in to get one cream horn. Well, I just had him add it to my order. Like, do little things for other people. Do big things for other people. If you got it like that, do big things for other people. So take care of yourself. Take care of others. And as always, this is a Browns podcast, and we want to support our team, and we want them to do well. So go Browns. Thank you for stopping by.